Well, I don't know about you guys, but that uh, bumper video always makes me want to just like karate ninja chop Satan because it's so good. It just, it fuels me up. Now, we are continuing our series called Becoming Who You Are, where we are looking at the book of Ephesians, the, the book that pos- uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. This is an amazing book, and I gotta tell you the truth. Every Monday night, I have a Bible study where we go and we just unpack what's happening in the message on Sunday, and it is definitely challenging. Ephesians is such a great book because it speaks to the heart of us, of the church in Ephesus, And it is challenging. It is challenging to live a life that is worthy of God and how he wants us to live. So it's been amazing. I feel challenged. I feel encouraged. I feel equipped every week watching this series. Now today we are going to take a step back. We're going to slow down a little bit and we are looking at the armor of God. Last week, Pastor Roy started our armor of God series and I can't wait to continue it with you guys today. But before we can talk about the armor of God, we need to talk about the enemy, why we need armor. And so here's some characteristics of the enemy, Satan, the devil, the liar, the accuser. He's evil. And so here's some characteristics. First things first is he is powerful. He is powerful and mighty and he is out to get us. He will stop at nothing to make sure that we lose focus of God. He is also a liar and an accuser. Pastor Roy shared this last week that the enemy, Satan, is a liar and an accuser. To add on to that, he is also great at deceptions, condemnation, and working with our temptations against us. He also separates us from God. The enemy seeks to destroy us as we attempt to grow closer to God. And this tension that we face, this tension between what we know we should do and what the enemy wants for us is called spiritual warfare, and it is real. It is real and it is attacking us. And so it's important for us to wear armor to protect ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. Now, can I be honest with you for a second? This week has been really, really difficult for me. All week, I was facing immense spiritual warfare. I had to write a message on how to combat spiritual warfare while the enemy is telling me lies over and over and over. Lies like, I'm not good enough like I'm ill-equipped, that I'm unqualified, that I'm too young to be on this stage, that I can't speak as deep and well as Pastor Mike or Pastor Roy. And these lies that the enemy shared with me really got to me. It was difficult to write this message. But luckily, thank goodness, our God is bigger and better and stronger, and he has given me a message that I'm so excited to share with you all today. Yeah, he's good, God is good. So I wanna share with you guys Uh, in Ephesians chapter six, what the Apostle Paul shares about the, the armor of God. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Notice it says whole, not just part, because the enemy likes to attack at all places. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and and having done all, to stand firm. So stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So if you've been here for any number of weeks in this series, you've known that The Apostle Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison or in house arrest. He's writing this letter to the book of Ephesus while he's 
chained to a table in a room with a Roman guard watching him 24 hours, 24-7. Now, he, Paul starts off his message by telling us to be strong, by telling the church in Ephesus to be strong. But where does this strength come from? Not from ourselves, not from someone else. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. And this strength that the Lord gives us is how we can combat the attacks of the enemy. So first he tells us to be strong. And then he describes our tool to be strong in the Lord, and that is the armor of God. Paul describes the armor of God, but why does he use the armor of God, uh, of God as an analogy to uh, describe our weapon against the enemy? Well, he's in house arrest, and there's probably a Roman soldier there guarding him 24-7, and so he probably began to study him and see the things that he's wearing. He spent a lot of time with this Roman soldier, and this is, this is an idea of what the Roman soldier probably looked like. Maybe a little less angry, maybe a little less buff, but anyway, this is a Roman soldier that would have been with him guarding him 24-7, so he began to see what he was wearing and studied him, and it just made a perfect uh, picture of how we can defend ourselves against the enemy with the armor that God gives us. So Pastor Roy last week started with the belt of truth. And the belt of truth is extremely important and it's the first thing that we put on when we put on the armor of God. When a Roman soldier puts on the belt, it is the very first thing and it supports and also holds up much of the rest of the armor. And so it's important that Paul used it and described the belt as the belt of truth because everything in our life should be built on a foundation of truth. Truth is the foundation of everything that we live for, and without truth in our life, everything else crumbles. And that is why everything else is put on after the belt of truth. And then Paul describes the breastplate of righteousness. And I'm gonna try really hard to describe the, the breastplate of righteousness today, so bear with me. Today we're gonna answer three questions. First question is, what is it? What is the breastplate of righteousness? Then why do we wear it? And next, how do we put it on? How do we put on this breastplate of righteousness? So let's start with the first one. What is it? So let's start with the breastplate. This is an image of what the breastplate might have looked like on a Roman soldier. It's big. It's one of the biggest pieces of armor that the Roman soldier wears. And it would have covered the entire front and the entire back because the enemy attacks from front and back. And it's from the neck down, neck to about the, uh, just below the waist. So this thing is huge, but it's very, very important to a Roman soldier. Not only is it the largest piece of armor, but it also is the perfect protection against swords and spears and javelins and heavy things being flown and, and thrown at you. But not only that, this shiny piece of armor, metallic armor, was the perfect intimidation tactic. As the enemy is lined up against you, a Roman soldier's line would have been so bright and so scary seeing this shiny bling bling that the enemy would have already been so fearful and the enemy would have been, the, the fight would have been lost before it even began. So this breastplate was super powerful and super important, and it's super important to us. But the most important thing about the breastplate is that it protected your internal organs, especially the heart. The heart is one of the most important uh, parts of the human body. If the heart goes, the rest of your body goes, and so you need something to protect your heart. In fact, look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Another translation is, above everything else, above all things, guard your heart, for from, for from it flows everything else. 
So greater than anything else is the condition of our hearts. So we need to protect it. And to engage in spiritual warfare, we need to protect our hearts. And that is why Paul describes the breastplate of righteousness. So Paul tells us that we need a, a breastplate, but then he tells us what it is, and that's the breastplate of righteousness. Everybody say breastplate of righteousness. I know, that's a mouthful. If you're watching online, type breastplate of righteousness in the chat. So breastplate of righteousness, it is extremely important. It is crucial to the life of your heart. But righteousness is one of those words that is often misunderstood or misinterpreted in, in the Bible, or, or it's misinterpreted by people in our Christian language. And so I'm gonna try really hard to describe it today. But one thing that's really important for you all to understand is that when you become a follower of Jesus, when you choose to accept Jesus into your heart, God immediately declares you as righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have that righteousness. When we've chosen to follow Jesus, we are righteous. But this is not our own righteousness. This is not someone else's righteousness. This is righteousness that comes from God. It is given to us through Jesus's sacrifice, through the punishment that he took on our behalf so that we could be made right with God. But there's some standards we need to look at. Righteousness falls into two categories, human righteousness and the righteousness that God wants and desires for us. So what is the human standard of righteousness? Well, the dictionary defines righteousness as the quality of being morally true or justifiable. And I think that's an okay uh, definition, but there's a problem because what I think is right might be different from what you think is right. What I think I'm justified in might be completely different than someone else. So there's, that's just not a great definition, but a great place to look for the definition of righteousness is in God's word and what God desires. What is God's standard for righteousness? And I think it can be summed up as this. God's righteousness is being right in the eyes of God in our character, in our attitude, in our actions, what we do, and in our words, what we say. God is the ultimate lawgiver. He knows exactly how we should live. He knows exactly what is best for us. He has our best interest in mind. And so these standards that we should live up to come from God's word. Now, I wanna, I wanna simplify it even more. So this is where I want you to write something down. If you've got a pen, a notebook, a phone, whatever, righteousness in its simplest definition is right living. Everybody say right living. Righteousness in its simplest definition is right living. It's living the way that I should live. It's doing, or that God wants me to live. It's doing the right thing. Doing the right thing when no one's looking. It's living the way God wants me to live. It's dating the way that God wants me to live. It's saying the things that God wants me to say. Dealing with my finances the way that God wants me to. It's uh, honoring my parents and my spouse and my children the way that God wants me to. Righteousness is right living. But not only that, like we talked about before, righteousness is also meeting a standard. Not my standards, not Pastor Roy's standards. Righteousness is meeting God's standards, the standards that are built in the life of Jesus. But let me tell you, that is a hard standard to meet. That is a hard standard to meet. Jesus was perfect, and I hate to break it to you, we're not that, we're not perfect. And so that's a hard standard to meet but putting on the breastplate of righteousness means that we live a life that looks like, sounds like, and points to Jesus. So to me, it sounds like putting on the breastplate of righteousness means that we are guarding our hearts by living a life that is right in the eyes of the Lord. So that's the first question. We've answered, what is it? Now let's answer the question, 
Why do we wear it? Why do we wear the breastplate of righteousness? Well, simply put, to guard our hearts, to protect our hearts from the enemy's attacks. Satan is not our friend. He is not our ally. He wants nothing more than to separate us from our relationship with God. He wants nothing more than for bad things in our life. He does not want us to live a life that is abundant and full. In fact, look at John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus desires for us to have a full life, a life with him, but the enemy hates that. So the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he's really, really good at it, which is why we need armor, which is why we need a defense mechanism against him. And I am convinced that every single battle, every single thing that we face in life, whether, whether hard or whether not so hard, whether extreme or subtle, has a spiritual component to it. There is spiritual, war, spiritual warfare out there, and it is real, and it is happening all around us. And so the best way to describe why we need to wear righteousness is to understand what happens when we don't wear righteousness. So I found an article today, or, or this week, on the seven ways that the enemy will seek to attack the life of your heart, and it's a doozy. So we're gonna, we're gonna go through each one and talk about it a little bit. So here's the seven ways that the enemy will attack your heart. The first one is he will find agreement with the lies in your thinking. Our mind and our thoughts are powerful, and the enemy knows that. The enemy knows the power of our thoughts, and so he will seek to attack every single thought that we have. I'm a perfect example of this. This week, I was facing immense lies from the enemy, lies that I'm not good enough, unqualified, ill-equipped, and it took a toll. It was so hard. I had to put on the breastplate of righteousness all week so that I could talk about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. I was living what I'm preaching this whole week. The next thing that the enemy will do to attack your heart is cultivate a sense of separation to love. God loves you so much, more than you could ever imagine. But the enemy does not want you to believe that. The enemy will do whatever he can to distort and shift your view on love. The enemy will distort your view on love and instead give you bad relationships or habitual coping mechanisms that help fill what you think you need for love. But that is just not the way that God wants it. What is the next way that the enemy will attack? He will train you to think that you are your own worst enemy. This is a big one. I was convicted of this. Many times I've told myself, well, I'm, I'm just my own worst enemy, or I've encouraged people even by saying, well, you know, we're our own worst enemy, but this is not the way to live. It is not the way to think that we are our own worst enemy. There is an enemy that is far greater, and he is out there, and he is attacking us. And if we believe that we are our own worst enemy, soon enough we start to forget, and we won't even see ourselves the way that God sees us. It is not the way to live. The next way that he will attack is to get you to forget who you are. The most important thing that we have in life is our identity in Christ, who Christ says we are. In Ephesians chapter one and two, uh, Paul lists out amazing things that we are in Christ, but the enemy will try to undermine your identity in Jesus and instead label you as things that you're not. He'll label you as unlovable or unworthy or defined by your past, or, or alone. He might even label you as perfect, which is a hard pill to swallow because we're not that. 
and he'll label you as unforgivable of the things that you've done. But it's so important for us to remember how our identity in Christ, the way that Christ sees us, that we are loved, that we are chosen, that we are not forsaken, that we are beautifully and wonderfully made. The next way that the enemy will attack your heart is to deteriorate your relationships. The enemy loves to create division and drama in the body of Christ. He loves to pinpoint the ways that we don't get along with someone or the things that we really just can't handle about a person and use that to distort our view on relationships. I know a few times in my childhood I had friends that I thought were my friends, but it turns out they were just in it to get something or they just, yeah, wanted something out of me and it ended up making me not trust people. I ended up not really wanting deep relationships with people when I was younger. And then entering adulthood, I developed trust issues and I developed, um, I, I would naturally assume the worst in people. And it was just not the way to live. Luckily, God is good and he has helped me to shift my perspective and now I have great relationships and great friendships with people but it just goes to show that the enemy attacks even the smallest of things in our life. What is the next one? The next way that the enemy will attack our heart is to accuse and condemn you. The enemy's very good at it and he does it quite often. The Bible says that he will accuse daily and nightly and he will not rest until you feel guilt, until you feel shame, until you feel condemnation that you just can't handle anymore. The enemy wants you to have a horrible life. The next way that the enemy will attack your heart is he will discourage you and wear you out. Have any of you ever heard of Chinese water torture? It's where there's a, a table that's laid down or a, a chair in a reclining position and somebody's strapped to this table and the, the goal of this is that the enemy will have a water driplet that will just drop constantly, systematically, over and over on the person's forehead. And the hope is that this gets into their head and their thoughts, and they end up going insane because of it. It's a horrible form of torture. But how easily is that like how the enemy attacks us? It may be an extreme way that the enemy attacks us. It may feel horrible and extreme and like the biggest thing ever, but sometimes, and I think most times, it's subtle and it's constant, and it drains us, it discourages us, and it wears us out. So this is so true when the enemy attacks. So I know that I've experienced many of these things, many of these things in my life. What about you guys? I hate to break it to you, but the enemy is real and he will attack us, our hearts, in many of these ways. He is against us. I know I don't wanna be a Debbie Downer, but the enemy is real and he is fighting. But luckily we have two encouragements. The first thing is that God is bigger and better and greater and stronger than anything that the enemy can throw at us. Anything that the enemy will try to do to separate us from him. God is bigger and better. And the second thing is that God doesn't leave us to attack the enemy on our own. He gives us a tool, the armor of God, to protect ourselves against the schemes of the devil. So we've talked about what it is, why we need to wear it, and lastly, how do we put it on? How do we apply the breastplate of righteousness? How do we actually wear it in our everyday life? Well, let's talk about it. How to put on the breastplate of righteousness. The first thing that we can do, the very first thing you can do, is to remember the righteousness that you already have in Jesus Christ. When you become a follower of Jesus, Jesus declares you as righteous. 
Jesus came down to this earth, sent by God the Father to take our sins upon himself, to take the punishment of what we deserved and die on a cross so that we could be forgiven of those sins. And then he rose again, showing his amazing, mighty power. And when we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to trust in him and ask him forgiveness, he forgives us and he declares us as righteousness, as righteous. So how do we put it on? To remember first that we're already righteous. And the next thing, which is gonna take some explaining, is stop, drop, and roll. How do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? We stop, we drop, and we roll. So, this is really interesting. All week, I was having a hard time with this application question. How do we actually put on the breastplate of righteousness? And all week, I kept hearing in the back of my head, stop, drop, and roll. And I'm like, why, God? Why are you saying this? What is this? I'm talking about spiritual warfare, not a fire. Why do I got to stop, drop, and roll? And then on Thursday, I was telling my administrative assistant, Ariana, how hard it was for me to write this message. And she said, Andrew, stop. Check your attitude. Pray about it. And try again. And I was like, whoa. Whoa. That's true, I gotta do those things. In fact, Ariana does this pretty often with me when maybe my attitude isn't great going into a meeting or going into a situation or maybe my tongue is going in a direction it probably shouldn't. Uh, Ariana will say, stop, check yourself, pray about it and try again. And it's powerful, those words, because it works. When we stop, reflect on what's going on, when we check our attitude, when we pray about it and we try again, it is effective. And then it clicked that God had all week been telling me to stop, drop, and roll, and Ariana encourages me by saying stop, pray, and try again. And so let me explain how we can stop, drop, and roll to defend ourselves against the enemy's attacks. The first thing that we can do is stop. Check yourself. Check what is happening. Where is the enemy attacking you? What is he attacking? What are the lies that he's sharing with you? What is he trying to do to separate you from God? Ask yourself these questions. Where is the enemy attacking me? What doesn't feel right? Why is this happening? Where am I not living for God or trusting him in this moment? Where am I giving the enemy power? So check, check yourself. Call out what the enemy is doing. And then, drop. Now don't just drop, give up kind of drop. This is a fully surrendered, give it to God and pray kind of drop. On your knees kind of drop. Prayer is a powerful tool. It is effective. When we include God in the battles that we're facing, he desires to help us. In fact, it's his battle, not our own. And so sometimes these prayers take a little bit more than just a simple sentence. Sometimes it is on our knees, crying out to God, sharing with him exactly where we're at in this battle. God wants our honesty. He wants our openness. He knows our heart. He knows how we feel. So go to him. So you stop. You check yourself. You see where the enemy's attacking. You drop, you pray to God, give it to him. And then finally, my favorite part. Oh, I forgot this part. One of the most amazing songs that Phil Wickham ever wrote was uh, Battle Belongs. And it's the, I think we sang it last week, but the words are, so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, fight on my knees, get that? We fight on our knees prayerful. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. The battle is not our own. We do not have to fight the enemy on our own. We can give it to God. We have a God who is big and powerful, more powerful than the enemy. So we fight in a surrendered state to the one who is fighting for us. It's too big for us, so we give it to God. We let him fight. But there's more to the story because then we've got to roll. There it is. So yes, God fights our battles, 
but we also need to partner with God. We need to, there's an action. A role is an action step. And so how do we live a righteous life? How do we put on the armor of God? We roll. And how do we roll? Well, righteousness is right living. Doing what is right, saying what is right, living in a way that honors God, the way that God wants us to live, all built on a foundation of God's word. The problem is sometimes our sinful nature, our own sinful nature and what the enemy is doing against us gets in the way of living an upright life. We end up living based on our own desires and and we make decisions that can be very harmful to us and be harmful to others. So what do we do? We need to be aware of the decisions we make. We need to make sure that the decisions we make are based on God's word and what he wants for us. And so we roll by being right in our living. We also need to be careful what we say. The tongue is evil, and the tongue can get us into trouble sometimes. And so be careful what you say. Be careful how you are interacting with people, the conversations that you have with people. Also, be careful what you do for fun. What movies do you like to watch? What TV shows are you watching? What music are you listening? Who are you hanging out with? All of those things. These are questions that you need to ask yourself to be aware of how you are living and where you, who are you surrounding yourself with? What are you surrounding yourself with? Because the enemy will feed into whatever you give him. So be careful what you do for fun and be careful how you treat others. The Bible says that Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve. He came and he shared that we, the first will be last and the last will be first. So how do we treat others? We put other people above our own, above ourselves. We put other people's interests above our own. We can roll, we can put on the breastplate of righteousness by putting other people before ourselves. And so what I want you to remember today is that put, you put on the breastplate of righteousness so that when the enemy attacks, you can guard your heart. Your heart is vulnerable, but it's extremely vital, and it's so important that we protect it in everything we do. Every single day, there's a battle, and the enemy is attacking, but we put on the breastplate of righteousness to guard our hearts. And if there's nothing else that you remember from today, I want you to remember to stop, drop, and roll. Would you guys pray with me? God, thank you so much for how good you are. Thank you that when we are living this life, we can go to you when we face immense spiritual warfare. Sometimes the battles we face in life feel unavoidable and feel like we cannot win. But God, you tell us that the battle is yours, that you already have victory. So thank you, God, for equipping us with a tool that we can use to defend ourselves from the enemy's attacks. Thank you for the breastplate of righteousness that guards our hearts. God, would you help us to stop, to understand where the enemy is attacking us? Would you help us to drop and go to you and give it to you, call it out, share with you how we're feeling and what we're dealing with? And would you help us and give us the boldness and confidence to roll, to live a life that is worthy of you, to live a life that you want us to live, to show righteousness by right living? God, we love you so much and we thank you for this day. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.